Welcome to the Soft Issues Podcast with Wei, Matt, Lee, and Ev. This week, we talk about asses. Should we start recording and then oh, just say, oh, okay. <laughs> hey, well, we, welcome to Soft yeah, Issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about like saddle myths, like kind of debunking a few yeah. of the, the kind of general myths. And then talking about, um, maybe we can talk about... Uh, didn't talk about the Tour de France, how they sit on saddles. Actually, and, that's a really know. good. That's a really good thing to talk about. Is um, how people look at pros and kind of go, "Well, they're really fast, so that's how I should sit on my bike." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, and I mean, obviously, they, they shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, I guess that could be one of the, the myths. <laughs> mm. What that bike riding should be uncomfortable. <laughs> well, we're, like bike riding as a sport, like. Mm. Well, any sport is about, like, making yourself uncomfortable. Her so, locker. Yeah, it's about... There's a, there's a definite level of discomfort you need to go through. But you're so, hoping that's because of the perceived exercise rather than... You want to be in control of your discomfort yeah, as much yeah. as possible, right? In yeah. terms of how hard you're pushing, how long you're riding for, what mm. terrain you're riding over, all that kind of stuff. You don't want the bike to be causing... Yeah. Any unnecessary discomfort, if at all possible. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I mean, we say it all the time, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I think our, our line is always like, we discomfort should be a choice. <laughs> like you, you can choose to be in discomfort. Choose life. <laughs> choose discomfort. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as Matt was saying, you know, it's you know, if you push hard on the pedals, then your muscles are gonna ache because yeah. you know, you're pushing harder. Um, but you can choose to push harder or not to push harder. Mm. But if your bike position is wrong mm. and you're just sitting in a position that's creating discomfort, mm-hmm. that is not your choice. Yeah. That is, you know, your, your your discomfort is being dictated by like the the bike, the bike position, and so on. You're yeah. just kind of putting up with it. I found that when I was first starting out, that you can also choose. Well, if your position is good, if your bike is comfortable, you can choose when it hurts. <laughs> you know, you can cut, and it's 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 that pain that you can interpret as good. If this, if I'm experiencing mm. this kind of pain, it means that I'm putting a lot of power out and mm. I'm going fast. Mm. Mm. And that's like you learn that you know because if you 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 associate a certain type of pain, that burning sensation in your thighs with the fact that you are overtaking people <laughs> or say, you know, and it's like all of a sudden that association is, or I'm going up a hill, I'm, I'm passing people up this mountain, like up, up a Vontour, wherever it is, you know, it hurts, but it's pleasurable because I'm creaming everyone else, you know? Yeah. So, you can also like mediate it. So for example, if you're on a very relaxed ride, you'll feel your hands more. Yeah. And that will be pain essentially in itself because you're obviously weight bearing on the hands. But then obviously when you want to swap that over, you can be like, oh, I fancy my legs hurting now. So you can just push on a hill, mm-hmm. up the hill, and then back to your hands again. And they say that's that's one of the things about switching between grinding and spinning, isn't it? Mm. Like, you know, isn't, you, isn't that just like what ultra distance riding is? Just <laughs> choosing where your pain goes. <laughs> it's all in your brain. Pain's, yeah. your pain's in your mind. Yeah. That's the time you do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, but but that's a really good point too. Like, yeah, like you know, there there is uh, pain is culture. Mm. There is uh, like a culture of pain and suffering. Like you know, I used to work at Rafa, and their motto <laughs> is God, "There you go." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but their their motto was like "Glory through suffering." You know, really? Yeah, yeah. That, like uh, the, even the the admin people are saying that. Getting through the world. Well, you know, no, no, that was that was their motto for glory know, through spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's another podcast episode <laughs> altogether. Um, but uh, yeah, the idea of like kind of who could suffer the most on the bike is mm. he, he or he or she. Who no, 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 it's no. he, isn't it? It's yeah. always he. That's where that comes from. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> if it was she, it wouldn't be that conversation, would it? Yeah, I know. Maybe did women's you know. clothing too. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, like uh, suffering, pain is kind of glorified within the sport it's kind of mm. within all the kind of old 
black and white pictures yeah. and mm. so there's a level of suffering that people want to emulate, emulate. Mm. yeah on the bike yeah. um, unfortunately that kind of pain or suffering might be maybe the wrong kind of pain or suffering or it's like the unnecessary kind it's not the choice it's mm. just all right any old kind of pain suffering. or it could be a physique arione <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm case in point. I like rode that saddle for God knows like too, six years and mm. thought it was the best thing was since it? like sliced bread. Was it the dog's bollocks? Yeah, man, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> what, what changed then? I sat on something else. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like sitting on a on a park bench your entire life and then yeah, then lying on a couch mm. and you're like, oh, didn't know this was a thing. Oh, so it doesn't have to be doesn't, like that. Yeah. And, and this is the whole point. Like, the whole point is like, um, is that pain is associated with like knowledge and knowledge allows you choice. So the more you know, the better choices you can make, uh, the better pain you can go through in a way. Um, well, the, this, the, the term pain related to cycling is so ambiguous right mm. because everybody from the moment that you get into it as a, as a sport anyway not just like commuting or whatever everyone's like pain feel the burn it's good this is you know you want ah, put yourself in the hurt locker you've got all these all these sayings sure. but if you've just bought a bike or you're just not very experienced yeah. and you don't realize that they don't mean the kind of pain that you're feeling mm. you've, what you're feeling is a pain that you in areas that you shouldn't be feeling pain. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to... Pain till you go numb is the wrong kind of pain. Oh, yeah. Right? You want to avoid that. Yeah. yeah. When people are like, oh, I, was a, I rode for so long, I was going so hard, I can't feel my nutsack. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, you're not... That's not right. <laughs> you're not... But, 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 like, I don't know, when I started club cycling and stuff, that was, like, the norm. Because no one kind of really knew any better yeah they were just like well that's just kind of what happens yeah and just got to harden up and yeah right thank god for bike fitters am i right sorry so thank god for bike fitters am i right i know most important <laughs> people on the planet <laughs> well i think we forget like kind of how much like things have moved on or how much knowledge has been acquired or how much people have learned about physiology and just anatomy and mm. how the body should function on a bike within the last 20 years yeah. like like the, the the bike has completely changed saddles have completely changed like when first started riding there was just you know Brooks saddles and <laughs> hard leathery things to, to sit on well, rod brakes and yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating I'm exaggerating but yeah like I yeah, like um like the flight, flight set, the Cellar Italian mm. flight was like the pinnacle of like bike technology when it came out. It's a solid, rounded, kind of firm, very, very light saddle. But everyone was like, whoa, this thing is so amazing because it's so light and it's not like a... It's not a turbo. Yeah, it's not leather. Which, it's a weird because like I've got a turbo, like a fake, like not a leather one, but you know, yeah. one of the modern ones, they're cheap now. And actually, like I set it up on a quite a kind of a vintage bike, it wasn't too aggressive or anything. I sat on it. I was like, "This is actually quite, this actually quite suits me." Yeah. You know, whereas you know, the vast majority of people are like, "No, yeah. no, that's uh, no. Why would you? It's, it's like yeah. it's pointing in exactly yeah. the direction you don't want it to point." Really, Could someone describe the flight to the. Uh, oh, this one. I've got one. Yeah. So it's. For the benefit of those listening, where has just gone and picked up a similar <laughs> Italian flight. Okay. It's slightly scuffed on the nose. So, Looks like somebody's been sitting on the edge of that. this very accurately now because uh, people have no idea. Yeah. So I would describe it as a classic kind of V-shaped saddle with a very, if you looked at it from the front, front on, and you looked at the profile of the saddle, it's very domed. Mm. So the top of the saddle sits much higher than the rest of it. And the dome or semicircular kind of profile of it is quite pronounced. So uh, the sides of the saddle are 
quite steep, as I would say, so almost kind of like vertical, starts vertically and then kind of uh, tips up towards the top of the dome pretty quickly. Um, it is a solid saddle all the way through, so there's just got kind of one piece of leather all the way across the top of it. There's no kind of uh, pressure relief channel. Um, I feel like I feel my perineum sitting on this one. Just looking at it. Mm. Absolutely, there's no way you wouldn't. Like, if you if we get her, we've got like this model of a pelvis in front of mm. us here. If we just get that and sit it on top of the saddle, there is literally no <laughs> way oh you can get either side of your pelvic bones to sit on the saddle without squashing all the soft tissue in the middle down. Mm-hmm. Or as what I used to do is kind of sit slightly squiffy on mm, the saddle yeah. in order to just get enough relief from the saddle at all. So, yeah. So it's so, not so good anymore, but it was good. Yeah, because it was light. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really it's a, light. Such and a, it's such a common, like if you if you followed cycling in for the last like sort of 30, what was it, 20 years old, I think, maybe 30 years old. Um, it's such a, classic shape you kind of look at it and you just think well that is what i saw on every race bike that i ever saw you know in the 80s but of course it was designed in a time before people started doing these massive saddle bar drops right it's also then, designed in a time before mass participation cycling that's also true mm. which we'll come on to that later <laughs> <laughs> so you had your bell curve of Riders, just at the pointy end. Yeah, I, literally the pointy end. Literally the pointy end. Um, I guess there there is some there's some kind give of to it, right? give in it, and it, the, the the top top of it is leather, and so mm. supposedly there is a little bit of moulding that takes place within it. Um, not to the same degree as like a brook saddle. Mm. Um, because that's even adjustable as well, because you can actually slacken it off, kind of, yeah. but not at the front. But maybe, you know, maybe we should go back to like Brooks saddles and talk about those and like kind of, you know, why they're like, I don't even know why they still exist. Like they're fashion. Exist. Yeah, they look so the, amazing. Uh, the kind of bikepacking thing, and the yeah. whole long distance thing, people assume it's like sitting on a horse for yeah. 12 that's hours a day. If you want to ride a horse, I've never seen that many good interaction with them in bike fits. Um, I don't think I've ever recommended them, but I've, I've let clients stay with them because they're so attached to them. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, they just won't get off them. Um, so let's talk, I'll, I'll talk about the concept of like the Brooks saddle. Mm-hmm. So at the time when they were around in, I don't know, those, like 18th turn of the century. Yeah. <laughs> That was like the pinnacle of technology. It was like a piece of leather that you could put on and it would mold to you Mm. because it's leather. And so um, it would kind of take the shape of your butt and supposedly that would become more comfortable. It would kind of uh, get softer as you Mm. go along. And yeah, that will give you a degree of comfort. Um, But the issue being that the leather only becomes comfortable when it becomes soft or saggy. Mm. So it loses its structure and therefore it loses the support and stability that like a, a saddle want or should be giving you. And it gives you that kind of comfort because it's kind of saggy, like an old sofa. Mm. Like, you know, you, you sit into an old sofa, oh, it's super comfortable because there's nothing to it. Mm. You just kind of sink into that sofa. Um, but if you're trying to generate power on the bike, you're trying to push against something, you need something to sit on and push against. Mm-hmm. It's like, imagine if the chair that you're sitting in right now, Lee, if that was like super soft and saggy, like it's going to be really hard to get out of, mm-hmm. like to imagine I had told you you had to get out of it without using your arms. It'll be super difficult because there's nothing to push against. I mean, every night trying to get up from my couch <laughs> to go to bed. Yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't get up. I'm just going to have to sleep here. Yeah. I also worry about things that you have to get used to. Like, I remember being a kid and, like, learning about, because, um, you know, I'm probably not the only one here that had, like, skin problems, you know, like acne, for example, when mm. we were young. 
and you'd go to a, a place and you'd buy a product and it'd be like, so you have about six weeks of a massive breakout, you look like God knows what, and then all of a sudden the product starts working. But like, you know, it's a bit weird that you have to go through that process in order to get mm. used to something. And I know what you're going to say, like there is a process and you have four weeks, but I think with products, when you're adding something onto your skin or with the saddle, I don't think the same can be true, really. Or it makes it sends off alarm bells. Mm. Anyway. Well, I think technology has moved on to a point where we can get comfortable saddles pretty much straight away. Mm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of other factors that go into saddle comfort, but like the the, the concept of breaking in a saddle and like kind of basically destroying the structure of a saddle till yeah. it's comfortable inverted commas. That it's, it's old technology, it's old thinking. So uh, we've moved on since then. Brooks haven't. No, no, they're, they're trading on they're trading on fashion, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, they well, do it's like heritage, isn't it? Like, it's yeah. like Jack Daniels, you know. Yeah. They're still saying that's good whiskey somehow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like the same. Uh, I don't know, like uh, like records and vintage cars and vintage motorbikes and all the rest of it. Anything that's kind of old, but. You know, it's still relatively yeah. functional. Pull the vinyl out of my yeah. cold, dead hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> exactly. Okay, admittedly, you have to spend 10 grand on a record player for it to be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's beside the point. Yeah, but um, yeah. Uh, a, a comment on these shoes. I have a pair of shoes, I won't say the brand, but these ones took a bit, they had a bit of a breaking in period. They were not immediately comfortable, and they got, got comfortable over the course of maybe a month or so, mm. a month and a half. Really? My other shoes, the ones that my, my road shoes, the racing ones, from a very well known brand that I won't I won't mention. It's got five letters, is it five letters? Um, <laughs> those were Im- like you get what you pay for. These were 150 odd something, 160 yeah. quid, which ain't cheap. It's not cheap. Uh, the other ones are 300 something, and they are like ruby slippers I mean, like mm. immediately just for me they worked mm. I put them on when they were brand new and they were the most comfortable thing I've ever put on my feet because mm. the shape was right mm. same with the saddle right if yeah the shape is right yeah yeah, yeah. it's a very subjective thing of course of course yeah. um, but there are saddle, there are some saddles that I found work better than others are we, are we not talking about those kind of things we're not trying to oh yeah yeah no absolutely like, nothing nothing's okay. off the nothing's table off here the table. <laughs> like, I think the Sun Italia S3 or yeah no it's mainly the S3 I would say that 6 out of 10 people from my experience ended up on that saddle mm. that's a really yeah, high percentage yeah. considering all the other saddles yeah, yeah. and admittedly sometimes you try that saddle first and it works so well you kind of don't go to the other saddles because you don't want to encourage anything but I think generally speaking it, like it just works quite well as long as someone's not listing over to one side as in like leaning over to one side because obviously you're going to feel that huge pressure relief channel but it's it's good it's good for Promoting stability, I think, in the pelvis. Yes. Do you guys have any? Yeah. It's worth doing in bell curves, isn't it? You're always going to get your outliers at each end of the spectrum where something completely left of field is going to be is going to work best. But you know, let's face it, the bike industry does not have our best interests at heart. They're to sell product, and they're trying to get the the shape that is going to work for the most amount of people. This might be my cynical view on it, but. They're trying to get the shoes as, as close to the best shape as possible for the most people. So they're trying to hit as much of the middle of that bell curve as possible. Mm. And the S3 is essentially quite an inoffensive saddle in a way, which is great because mm. the last thing you want is your saddle to be offensive. But I don't want to call me names. Exactly. Um, It'll be muffled though. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, the S3 is not overly wide, it's not overly flat, it's not overly rounded, it's got a whopping great big cutout in the middle of it. I'd fall through that. It's, it's relatively inoff- going to be inoffensive for quite a lot of people. So it's mm. going to hit the mark in quite a lot of instances. Yeah. And there's a few samples like that. You know, the Roman's quite like that as well. There's mm. a lot of people that yeah. ride that like relatively well. It's kind of inoffensive. So yeah. there's always going to be that, that middle of that bell curve. Um, but, you know, saddle shape is just one part of the equation, isn't it? You sure. Know, if you have an S3 uh, that you like and, you know, this, yeah, this working great, if we put it on in the wrong place in space, mm-hmm. it's not going to feel great. Very, so very good point. There's yeah. so it takes many, a millimetre. Yeah, there's that so is, many factors at play. take that thing, that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> But it, yeah, yeah, like you're absolutely right. You've gone right. down memory lane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Take that, 994. Saw the ice glazing over there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> First thing is it? it's like, you know, you can have, quote unquote, the optimal saddle shape. Mm. If it's if there's something else that's not kind of working optimally, like, you know, your saddle's in the wrong position. Yeah, yeah. Cool. You know, then, it goes back to bike fit again, doesn't it? Well, if your bike's the wrong what size, else is that? can't, yeah. yeah. Exactly. What else is there? You can't. Get, I mean, you might have the you might have the perfect saddle for you, but you could never get it far. Let's say far forward enough because you're because yeah. you see tube angles. You know, well, yeah, I mean, very rarely these days will your seat tube angle be too slack. <laughs> it's probably the other way. You can't yeah, get far yeah. back enough because everyone. I do. Yeah, crit, I do. Crit bikes. These I days, do. See, I do see it a lot. Actually, I see a lot of people with a saddle slam back on the rails. I'm like, yeah. oh, it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's the thing, it's like if you cannot get the saddle in space to where it needs to be, mm. then you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah, mm. um, yeah same, if, you, if your cranks are too long and you're not going to be comfortable. Yeah. So there's more than just the saddle itself at play. There's yeah. a whole load of things going on. There's a, a particular financial argument for this, isn't there, when it comes to the bike industry? Cranks are a lot more expensive to offer in lots of different lengths. Um, it's a lot easier to get a job lot of average-shaped saddles that suit most people, which you're going to put on your bikes. Or don't suit most people. Or don't suit most people, Who yeah, cares? as the case may be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, who cares? As long as you've got a saddle yeah. on it. Yeah. So that That's when you, you hand need. it over to the person, and then they end up, you know, three, four years down the line going for a bike fit, and you'd be like, why have you been sitting on this? Or spending a thousand pounds on Wiggle every year, sending saddles back and mm. still not finding them. How did you get access to my account? I've tried five, six different yeah. saddles and nothing yeah. works. And Takes me back to the Arione. <laughs> that argument, you know, you didn't know. I didn't know. It was actually, <clears throat> at the time, yeah. a fairly versatile saddle because it was flat. You just sit in the best place that you could and you could move around a lot you didn't realize that if you had a better saddle that was suited to your mm. your bum you would just sit in predominantly one place most of the time and you'd be you know you'd be a lot more but again i think like the mass participation get my teeth in mass participation element of cycling has kind of forced a lot more different saddle shapes yeah because yeah, like back in the day, everyone rode a flat, long saddle yeah. and mm. just got on with it. Whereas now there's a lot kind of, the, the bell curve is a lot wider and if people you didn't have suit, to. Yeah, if you didn't suit a race bike. Well, you didn't ride a bike. You didn't did ride you? a bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you rode a, a Dutch bike. Well, you rode a Dutch bike or you rode a race bike in pair. Yeah, <laughs> basically. That's it. It's I, only two choices. Yeah. I had a client a few months ago and... She'd gone to see a saddle specialist, um, and we got her on the jig. I didn't know um, there was such a what's thing. What's a saddle oh, specialist? Saddle see, specialist. This is, this is, I'll, come, I'll come back to it, but she saw a saddle specialist. I never found out the name, unfortunately. But anyway, um, she was in a lot of pain, and obviously, you know, any kind of numbness down there is obviously a problem for male or female, so we had to kind of figure out what it was. So as soon as we got onto the jig, her saddle, her, she was hyperextending. She was at one... I can't remember the degree now, but it was basically 35, 40 mil too high. Whoa. So I kind of explained basically, regardless of what saddle um, she put on, um, that this guy put on, I'm assuming it was a guy, I think it was. Um, obviously, if you're overextending your legs, every saddle's going to feel awful because you're essentially gyrating, you've got a piece of plastic that you're trying to avoid hitting between your legs. So obviously, when we put the saddle down, saddle felt okay, and then we tried a few different ones, and then it was obviously better. And I did ask her, I said, did you change or did he change the saddle height any time? He was like, no, he's just switching the saddle heights. So, mm-hmm. so it's the saddles instead of the actual uh, heights. So I was like, ah, that's, that's a very, yeah. very amazing saddle specialist. That's a saddle specialist. Well, that's... She got her money back because he was like, I can't, can't, can't fix it. Could have just put the saddle back. That's, that's, I mean. This is I, why you have to take everything in context, <laughs> isn't it? It's like you can't just change one thing in isolation. You change one thing, everything changes. Mm. And this is what, like, you bang that drum so hard and, you know, it falls on deaf ears. It's like, yeah. 
spent four hundred pounds on a three D printed saddle, thinking it's going to cause or solve all your issues, mm-hmm. and then it doesn't. You feel like done by. It's like well. Yeah, you're taking this kind of out of, you know, you're looking at this without looking at the context of the wider kind of picture. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not going to work. Saved a bit of tax. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, uh, anyway, it's, it, it, it mind boggles, to be honest. Like, I don't understand it. But I want to know more about this. Just, it's, yeah. Yeah. But it just, it's just because we, we, we see it. We see it every day. Every yeah, day. I, get, I get it. It's like, yeah, playing the piano is easy if you can play the piano, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So I get it, but yeah. it's... Yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just logic and reason. But like, there's there's a, there's difficulty of like say uh, putting my cynical hat back on again. Do of, it. <laughs> of uh, people being subject to marketing and product, so saddles are a product, and therefore mm. they need to be sold. And the easier they are sold, then the you know the more product is is kind of bought, and those kind of product companies are happy. So. Everyone's trying to make it as easy as possible to make that choice of, you know, choosing a saddle and so on, which is why bike fitting is hard. People don't want to get a bike fit because it is hard. It takes commitment. It takes energy. It takes time. It takes effort. But hopefully at the end of that kind of process, you are rewarded. And the more knowledge you have, therefore, the more knowledge you have, then the better decisions, the better your outcomes you know, like, and I was saying about how, you know, we sat on terrible saddles for a long time because we didn't know any better. And your body is always the, you know, uh, the ultimate yes man. It will always try and get the job done despite all the challenges that you try and throw at it. But the better your knowledge and the better your understanding of actually what's going on, your biomechanics, your pelvis, your kind of anatomy, how you ride... All those kind of things affect kind of your your ultimate kind of outcome. Like I, I dread to think like how much better a cyclist I could have been like, if I'd actually ridden you know a better saddle, a better seat height, a better bike position, and you know here comes Captain Hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is why we're also bike fitters because we've all like messed our bodies up. <laughs> You know, we're trying to help people not to mess their bodies up. So to that end, what are we looking for in a good saddle? What? Stability. So if, if you're kind of, you know, sat listening to this and you're thinking, oh, maybe, maybe I could have a better saddle. What is it? What are we looking out for when we're riding on the road that will give us a clue as to, yeah, we've got a good saddle here or hmm, this could be this could be better. What, what would the... Uh, what do we think? Um, to do with pressure, I think. So avoiding front pressure is probably something going on if you all you're engaging with is your downstairs. Your soft tissue, basically. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, so avoiding soft tissue pressure as much as possible. Yeah, like uh, talking about pelvic stability, that means like kind of you not uh, kind of moving around on the saddle too much, like rocking your hips, uh, rotating forward and back, um, finding that you can relax on the saddle you don't have to feel like you're constantly moving yourself on that saddle um not experiencing any pain in other parts of your body um and i guess yeah like having choice again like just not being aware of it you know you're just it's just there and you're not really thinking about how comfy it feels but you're also not thinking about how rubbish it feels that is that is the the first thing that springs in my mind Mm. When it disappears from under you, that is when it's good, right? Mm, yeah. You don't think about it. You're not feeling it. It's there. It's obviously there. If you think about it, you're going to notice it. But it's not It's not foremost on your mind when you're riding a bike. Yeah. It's just, it's mm. kind of like just, uh, it's transparent. I suppose you could use that, that's, that term, wouldn't we? Yeah. If, if there's anything persistent, mm. then that's, that's when you need to do something about it. Uh, I will caveat that with like, Sometimes people don't feel anything on the saddle um, and their body's found a way of getting them relatively comfortable on that saddle, but then that the pain that would have been there transfers somewhere else. Their knees hurt, their ankles, their elbows, their wrists. So compensation as well. Yeah, Yeah. compensations. Um, Can I just address an elephant in the room? Yeah. Right? (laughs) Who sits on any of these saddles without a pair of padded shorts? You'd be surprised. 
Mm. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure I would be because I've seen a lot of people do it and I'm constantly kind of saying, uh, whether this is wrong or this is right, you tell me, but I'm like, these these saddles are not really designed to be ridden without a chamois. Yeah, I like it. We just wear a chamois. It's easy. Buy some chamois. Answer the question away. (laughs) (laughs) I know my answer for everything is always depends. (laughs) Okay, let me let me give you this example. Um, I okay, I'm I'm riding the Pro Stealth now, and I really like it. I've got a couple of them. Um, If I there, I've got um, one one brand of shorts that I wear mostly at the moment, mainly because they didn't cost me anything. but between different models of shorts, mm. the chamois is a little bit thicker at the front yeah. or a little bit thinner at the front. If I wear one particular short, I feel like my I've angled it down too much. Mm. I wear the other ones, I feel like, ah, it's in the right place. Yeah. So from one pair of shorts to another, you know. Yeah, again, it goes back to choices, isn't it? Like there's lots of different ways to cut the cake. Yeah. as it were we had a, a lady who came in specifically last week for a saddle fit she said I want a saddle that I can sit on without having to wear like kind of mm-hmm. bib shorts or a padded shorts and mm-hmm. yeah fair enough found her a saddle felt great what was that saddle? Uh, saddle SMP well gel well gel uh, gel so, yeah that makes yeah. sense good shape which is essentially doing what a bib short does yeah. anyway so. yeah exactly so again it just gives enough like kind of padding that you know it's it's cushioned enough you don't want cushioning on your shorts and on your saddle at the same time right because all yeah. you're doing there is introducing that well too yeah. much squidge is too much just squidge, as bad as right exactly you're sitting on a couch yeah exactly trying to pedal it does beg the question though like is it better to have like padding on your bib shorts and no padding on your saddle or would you rather have more padding on your saddle and less padding on your bib shorts no. I can answer that <laughs> go because less padding on the saddle looks cooler <laughs> fashion so and that's what it's all about fashion. I know but like I look I, no so, yeah I know you're absolutely right I'm completely wrong yeah <laughs> I, I think it's it's actually the main thing is and we think from a, a bike fitting standpoint if you've got lots of cushion on your saddle what are you doing every time you push down you're changing mm. the saddle height yeah so you're kind of making something that's fairly Consistent, inconsistent. But if you're wearing shorts with a massive pad in them, you're doing the same thing, effectively, aren't you? Not really, because then if you if you always have the if you have the fit, for example, with the shorts, right. and then you get that saddle height sorted for that, then you're controlling that variable right. yeah. essentially. Right. You're more in control of that variable. Yeah. Then you go back to your point there of wearing different shorts with yeah. different pads, yeah. but the parameters are smaller. Yeah, you're working within smaller margins. Oh, I I believe that everyone should have, oh, this is a big generalization, but like, I believe that most people should have enough function within their body to be able to cope with the amount of difference between like one bib short and the other bib short. And it's not make that much difference to their bike fit that they're not, you know, kind of sidelined by like kind of injuries or whatever it's like princess in the pig right like you know your body should be capable enough to wear different shorts and still be able to ride a bike and feel pretty good on it uh, you may be aware saying of those differences no at all but like you're, you're very aware yeah. of the differences but yeah. you can still ride the bike right? yeah. Yeah, so totally, you know totally. you, you just I, know I that there is difference yeah. uh, this is maybe another maybe a subject for another podcast I've always considered myself uh, what would be the word hypersensitive to mm. micro microscopic changes in fit yeah. right um, if my saddle if my seat post slips half a mil I know about it yeah I, maybe uh, the more experience I've gathered, the m- more quickly I realize and correct it. But definitely, like the tiniest change, I'm like, oh, I'm on that. And there are other people that, other people yeah. who I hate because they don't have that problem at all. Um, but yeah, maybe that's a that's a yeah, subject for another podcast. That it, might be all in my head. But yeah, like, but but it all comes back to kind of choice. Like awareness brings choice or provides you with choice like you can choose like yeah i want to wear the thicker bib shorts i want to wear like the less padded bib shorts 
I am aware that uh, today I'm feeling a bit more tired, so I don't have as much core control. Mm -hmm. So I need more padding. I have so this. Cause another thing. Yeah, one thing we haven't talked about is uh, well, actually, it comes back to kind of talking about like pro riders and like back in the day, everyone who rode a race bike was was a racer and so on, and they could sit on all these kind of saddles, and you still see it in peloton today. Yeah. Because they're a very kind of specific creature. They are a, a racer. They're generating a lot of power on the bike. And therefore, they sit on saddles in different ways. Um, they're generally lighters. They're lighter. They're like little jockeys, aren't they? These kind yeah. of bike races. So their power to weight ratio is kind of much greater than the rest of us and the, the greater public and so on. They're unweighting themselves. Yeah. yeah. So, so much more than your average. Yeah. So I had a really nice message from um, one of our clients who said, like, the thing that made the most difference to his saddle comfort overall was increasing his FTP. Nothing that we'd done with Yeah, 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 nothing, none of that. Well, maybe the training yeah. from him saying that or Jake. Yeah. My leg doesn't yeah. feel like it's falling off anymore, yeah, but yeah. still, the FTP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves FTP, don't they? It's like the cool name. File transfer protocol. Uh, but that's another podcast again but um, oh. yeah like just the, the ability to generate and push power against the pedals lifts you away from the saddle lifts you off the yeah. saddle so your legs are doing more of the carrying work mm. you're sitting on the saddle a bit less and therefore you feel less weight into yeah. the saddles if I was and, and, and that being warmed up and all of those things and just yeah. having you know yeah, yeah. solidifying up your core a little bit yeah. if I ride yeah. my race bike after three weeks off it yeah, yeah. I yeah. need a bike fit, but yeah, yeah. give me a few days in a row of riding, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. this is so super comfortable. Yeah. So again, going back, like you know, like like there's so many other factors yeah. apart from just saddle shape that determines yeah. you know, saddle comfort. Um, women specific saddles? They don't got anything to say about that. I thought that's a fallacy. Is that the wrong <laughs> word to use? <laughs> yeah, there's no such thing. Well, I. I often use kind of men's saddles for women and women's saddles for men. It depends. I found the Ergon SR women's to be really good with some men that can't sit still in the saddle. Yeah. That's my mm -hmm. that's my personal. And yeah. I found that um, yeah, generally women, yeah, I tried lots of different things and yeah. I don't usually tell the individual if it's male or female. Yeah. Usually men are the ones that are more sore about riding a women's saddle, <laughs> strangely. Just but, scratch off a bit where it says women's. Yeah. Is, it, is it kind of curious about Ergon and why they would do that like so what, is, what is their thinking marketing. behind it marketing yeah that's what I thought yeah. it's just it just seems so pointless to limit your your range but I think you've got to imagine as, as, as a female when it's all male dominated it's quite hard to kind of know, you what, know what which, saddle what's, so yeah, sometimes yeah. it's easier so you've got to look at it from that I way, mean but. Uh, maybe a, on kind of on the plus side at least they didn't just put a pink cover on their men's saddle and call yeah. it women's, like Gillette or something. I mean, it's really interesting to see where the bike industry has gone over the years. It's kind of like flip-flop. So mm. there was like the era of like kind of creating loads of women-specific things. And all it was was just kind of rebranding kind of like bikes and equipment with different colors. It's literally putting eyelashes yeah. on the courser, isn't it? Because they saw that there was a market, women were getting into cycling, so yeah. they're like, "Oh, great! Well, we'll make bikes for women." Well, uh, but then, then more women started getting into cycling, and then it was more apparent that they needed different. You know, they they needed to cater for like a, a larger segment of the market mm. that wasn't catered for. And but now they everything's kind of come back again, mm. and um, you know, women's specific things are kind of. I don't know, maybe they're getting a little bit more taboo because, like, why Why do, does there have to be a difference between men's and women's? Uh, it's this, again, like... On the other know. hand, if you're a woman and you feel that a brand is catering for you, you might feel more inclined to mm. purchase that. I mean, Giant's making a mint with Liv. And yeah, their yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what yeah. they all they've done is just made slightly shorter top tubes. Yeah. Because I think is that because it's not because it's women specific. It's because women are on average smaller, and smaller people on average need a shorter top tube. Yeah, maybe some, I'm generalising. There, there are some very broad brushstroke kind of um, 
concepts being kind of like put out there. Like Giant kind of made the Live brand and many people like they, they make women specific products because it is easier to sell to women. Like hands down, it is. Like if you're a woman and you're given a choice of having a woman's product or men's product, it's much more likely to go and buy the women's yeah. product. Or at least a product advertised to women with women in the marketing. Yeah. Whereas if you did that with your general bike, yeah. suddenly all the men feel alienated. They're like, well, where is the men's yeah. you know. So yeah. it makes it easier Again, to just... we're making drastic assumptions here because this is not any of our experience. Are we making yeah. drastic yeah. assumptions about this huge bike giant whose yeah. yeah. <laughs> name is literally yeah. giant? Yeah. <laughs> that they might Again, have a it's just financial it's interest. Like, yeah. Once you get like scratched beneath the surface and you start to peel layers back, yeah. it's just bodies. Yeah. Mm. It's like, what does your individual body shape, your individual level of bodily function need mm. yeah. to be able to function on a bicycle as well as you possibly can? Yeah. And that is ultimately the crux of the point. And that, but that doesn't but work as a soundbite exactly. for marketing people, yeah, does it? How you get there, yeah. there's multiple different ways to yeah. arrive at that. I think a bike fits a good start, isn't it? I would say so. Mm. But how do you get to the point where you're thinking, oh, a bike fit is a good idea? Numbness, pain. The bike shops or, or bike retailers, and it's a shame because there are fewer and fewer bricks and mortar bike shops where you go in and you say, I want to buy a bike. And they say, well, come and have a look at these Carreras. You know, those are the people that need to promote bike fitting. Mm. Like first and foremost, be like, Either they have a relationship with bike fitters or they have a bike fitter in the store. And they kind of used to, but then they were never a particularly experienced person most of the time, depending where you went. I just don't think they value it, do they? No. It's not easy enough. Like, yeah. men and women's saddles, easy. Yeah, yeah, right. Women buy this, men buy that. It's easy. Bike fitting, hard. Yeah. So, not going to do it. It's not because reductive it's individuals, service, is it? It's yeah. not like, you know, trying to cut out variables. It's actually the whole idea of bike fitting is obviously from a science it is from facts but it's also a lot of experimentation which is why you can end up on a male or female saddle regardless of your gender yeah yeah because again we're dealing with the infinite complexity and variability of the human race mm. like can you say that your pelvis is the same as Ev's pelvis which is the same as matt's pelvis which is the same as i don't know my pelvis, like mm. no, everybody is different. Should Everyone we get is... X-rays? Should yeah, yeah. We get X-ray, X-ray our pelvises. My pelvis is broken. So, <laughs> does everyone know their sit strip bone size? Oh, don't. Oh, oh you have to bring it up. Yeah. Probably, maybe to bring it up. Uh, depends. Depends how far I <laughs> I shift over, right? If anyone tries to sell you a saddle on the basis of measuring the width of your sit bones, run away. But. Uh, the systems that they have, like the brands, have their own things, like their own websites with their little formulas, and they say, right, measure your sit bone width, and then we'll recommend which saddle you should go for. Can you touch your toes? Yes. You need this saddle. No. <laughs> You're you hypermobile. That has to be the worst. Uh... Did you, did you, Lee, did you ever use the Sella Italia calipers where you kind of, like, there's literally butt a caliper. Yeah, you're literally yeah, a yeah. butt caliper. What? Like, and you, like, no. What is this? It's like, why? Have you got some? No, no. Uh, I used to keep those in the bomb drop. Explain to the listeners what this is. So, again, like, it's, it's come, it comes back to marketing and making it easy for you to buy a saddle. Every different saddle company has a different method for ensuring that or allowing you to choose the appropriate kind of saddle for your ride, your butt, and so on. And so, yeah, like uh, saddle companies have realized that, yeah, there is some variability within human bodies, so we need to measure it in some way. So Specialized started it with like a little gel pad, which you sat on, mm -hmm. and you get an imprint of your butt cheeks, and that would tell you kind of what saddle you wanted. And Sella Italia have taken it to the next level. They have like some uh, hip calipers, which they measure how wide your hips are. They have help, so help. what? Just look at that. How does that even work? And uh, they've got like a, a back angle. What if you're wearing a bum bag? What happens then? 
I don't know. Computer says yes, computer says no. I just follow what the computer says. This is going back to what Matt said about, um, uh, you know, you can't pigeonhole, you can't just measure your bum and find the right saddle. Yeah, you're sitting on a bike. If you measure your bum and your back angle, maybe that will tell you the answer. But your back angle changes, doesn't it? Oh, well, we'll measure, like, whether you can touch your toes then. And then we'll measure if you can, I don't know. Ride in that position for two hours, and we'll then we'll measure something. Have to check. Uh, oh my God. Everyone's obsessed <laughs> and with string flexibility as well. Decide whether not there, being able to touch your toes is. Yeah, there are some saddles that literally say for a saddle for if you're not flexible, and which the majority of people aren't, and the majority of people identify as not being flexible, so they'll go and buy that on account of the fact that it's for people. That so everyone's on a physique anxiety. Yeah, but then that starts yeah. to play on your emotions yeah. and like, you know, who you cool. identify with, like, the, I'm a racing guy, snake. Because so the racing, the Arioni racing guy looks the coolest because he's right down there. So that's why I bought an Arioni because it's like, I want to be that guy. Exactly, he's really cool. Exactly. I know it's just a line drawing, but he looks cool. Why are you not a marketer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> fashion. What's the, what's fashion. The, yeah. Hashtag fashion. That's just side of the survey, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's the uh, that's, that's the, the story. The story. Mm. I could imagine that. Yeah, I mean, it just looks cool. Isn't it? Anyway, so the, <laughs> the the moral of the story is <laughs> the moral of the story is everyone should have an SNP <laughs> and be done with it. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned that already, to be honest. It's kind of a nice way to end, isn't it? Really? There's, there's one solution to everyone's problems. Tell us about the SMP then. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Does it only <laughs> come in yellow and red? It only comes in yellow and red. <laughs> That's the test saddle, by the way. <laughs> SMP is a saddle brand for everyone out there who uh, doesn't know SMPs. Everyone that's not um, a bike, I mean, you're, you're yeah. basically quite an authority on this. On the SMP. Oh, yeah, they just like. Why again, are they good? Well, Why do we like them so much? Because they're pelvis shaped. Like you have, you can check out some of my Instagram videos on like kind of SMP saddles and so on. But like essentially, an SMP. What's saddle your Instagram is, handle? Uh, FDN underscore bike fit. Nice, nice. Okay. concise. I like concise. It. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, SMP saddles—they're really good problem solver because they—they're they're like the uh, again what I call like the the seventy percent saddle. They will fit like seventy percent of people really really well because they're kind of more pelvis shaped they look weird because they are more pelvis shaped um and they have lots of features that kind of work out but again like we can't say that they fit everybody because there's going to be lots of different kind of shapes and saddles out there but i think the moral of the story is that you know saddle choice is more complicated than just going with the system with the, the butt measuring systems with the touch your toe systems and so on and again, the more knowledge you can arm yourself with and the more kind of testing that you can do, the better choices you're going to make for your kind of bike riding. Yeah. And the fact that you have a six metre wide wall covered in different saddles is kind of testament to that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why we've got over 100 saddle models mm. like in the studio here because there's a lot of different butts out there. You know? <laughs> and we're constantly adding to this like, kind of you're all individuals yeah and and you know it's not just testing saddles but like allowing people to borrow saddles and ride them for an extended period and only that way can you figure out like is this saddle going to work for you can you you think yeah it's quite instantaneous i think sometimes if you change between different saddles i think some like if there's a slight difference and it feels slightly better i think it can be quite a I don't think you need to cycle like 200 miles. I think your gut reaction can tell you a lot, Mm. but it doesn't give you like that good a context. I guess if you're on a static bike, it's better to take it outside. So if you're on a static bike, it's going to feel a certain way. Mm. If you take it then out on the road, the bike is going to behave differently. Mm. Um, There's a lot more kind of elements to consider, tyre pressures, wind, wind, road surface, all this kind of stuff, which makes the bike feel and behave differently. And that can change over time with terrain. You get stronger, like you say, you lift yourself mm. off the saddle. You ride on predominantly gradients. You ride you know, on flat terrain. You take it off-road on your gravel bike or on your mountain bike. 
So it's, it's very contextual. Mm. Um, and I think, yes, I agree with you. You can get pretty much 70% of the way there on an initial impression, but we don't want to get 70% of the way. Mm. We want to get it right. So I think it helps to have that additional context whereby you can get more clarity sure. on how a saddle feels and is going to feel over time in the real world, for sure. Mm. Um, so I also think if, you, if anyone does change a saddle at home, between just make sure you're measuring um, between, because obviously each saddle has a different height and stack. Mm. So make sure you are measuring the height, because obviously if you go change a saddle and it's 20 mil higher, it's going to feel worse. There's and now they're all this, isn't different lengths as well. Yeah. So now you have to yeah. think about Set the setback. Yeah. Mm. But, but for all the, the data nerds out there, this is the data that we're looking for. This is like, I don't care about like, you know, measuring hip width and all the rest of it. I care about what people's feedback is after they've ridden the saddle. Did it feel good? Mm. Did it feel good after two hours? Did it feel good after four hours? At what point did they fatigue? And then at where does the saddle feel kind of uncomfortable after that? Because mm. your body will change. If you do a six-hour ride, mm. if you sit on anything for six hours, it's kind of like... Yeah, I was going to say, you know, maybe like something. 200 miles or something is maybe like, yeah. you know... Doesn't matter how comfortable. Yeah. I just I've just had a few people that's, that that are like that, and I think it's that whole Brooks analogy. You have to kind of really get used to a saddle, and I guess there is kind of like a in between of two hundred miles, and actually just using it for a few rides outside. Yeah, yeah, and and like that will kind of tell you what's important to you as mm -hmm. an individual rider. Do you want to adapt your body around that saddle? Do you want to kind of improve your core strength? Do you want to improve your kind of strength and ability to hold? that kind of bike position or do you, do you need some compensation? Do you need some squidge in the saddle just mm -hmm. to allow a little bit more compensation to kind of, you know, um, give you a bit more softness and a bit more leeway. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, knowing that kind of stuff then allows you to, again, to make those decisions and you just can't get that from just, you know, sitting on, like a jig in a bike fit studio for a few hours or whatever. So yeah, I, I'm I'm a big proponent of getting people to test outside and so on. That's yeah. kind of why we're here. That's yeah. I mean, you're in the perfect place, aren't you? Because you've got this road circuit kind of yeah at your beck and call. So yeah, we can we can do a lot of testing. Yeah. So. But again, it takes it, it takes commitment from a rider to want to do that as well. There's only a few bike fitters that actually do the outside thing, considering how important it is. There's not a lot in the UK, at least, is there? Because it's hard. <laughs> bike fitting's hard. <laughs> no one wants to do the hard stuff. Mm. Wow, that's not true. Like, yeah. There's a lot of good bike fitters out there doing good stuff. So, But it takes time, yeah. right? It takes good communication and it takes time and it takes experience to be able to do all these things well. Enough about butts. I, I think we should end it there.